Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman, and our next guest up is Lynn Fritzlin with Lynn Fritzlin Architecture. Welcome to Radio Entrepreneurs. Thank you. Good morning, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to see you. Tell us a little bit about your practice and uh, tell our listeners about you and what it is that you do. Uh, well, I have an architecture firm located in Manhattan, Lynn Fritzlin Architect, that I started in 2016. And uh, our current focus is on educational and community projects. Have a lot of fun ones. I spent, I, this is my second firm. My first firm uh, I started in 2010. It's called Fritzland Pierce Architects in Vail, Colorado. So from 2000, excuse me, from 1980 to 2010, um, uh, that firm focused on the resort and hospitality, uh, resort residential and hospitality market. So uh, in 2010, I moved here to New York City to be closer to my uh, children, which was in the end, a great move. And I sold my other, my share of the other practice. And, um, and I moved into uh, projects that were more, what would you call it, socially responsible. It's been very rewarding. As much as I loved working in the resort market, um, you know, you're, you're dealing with discretionary income. And, um, the projects we're working on now have uh, our sustainability, have a component of sustainability, accessibility for, um, ADA. Um, anyway, it's been a, it's been a great... Fascinating. You, you, you've got the reverse career going on. Most people dream of retiring and going to resort towns. I know, <laughs> I know. And I feel very you've lucky. Gone to the big city. I feel very lucky. Bill, um, Bill kind of, I got to see it grow up. I really feel like I was part of um, its evolution and success. Interesting. As an architect, and I don't want to go back too much in the future, but you must have had a, a, um, an opportunity to have a footprint on a smaller town back then, which has grown tremendously over the last couple of decades. I did. I did. It was um, uh, it was a tremendous experience. We worked with clients from all over the world um, as, it be, as it became an international destination. Um, and we, were, we worked on small community projects, but in the 90s, when it became so popular, um, well, I'm, I'm thinking with the New York finance community, it really um, took traction. You, I mean, you saw the dollar amounts go. <laughs> so tell us about your practice today in, in New York City. You said uh, focus on sustainability and uh, education. What types of specific projects have you been working on lately? And what are you seeing in the market that's shifted perhaps over the last uh, five years that you've been involved in New York? Well, uh, for the project, we're doing several projects up at SUNY Purchase College. Um, there, uh, that that uh, facility was built in the 1970s uh, by a, um, and it's built and designed. And uh, there are many legacy buildings up there, so it's great to work on it. Um, part of uh, modernism and brutalism. Anyway, it's great to bring them back to life. Um, uh, we're doing uh, mechanical improvements in some cases, new finishes, new um, ADA accessible spaces, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the, the fun project we're working on is a new community theater up in Batavia, New York. And that has, as you can imagine, has gone through some ups and downs to the pandemic. Now we're moving forward with a smaller capacity theater. And uh, we're hoping, as is the community, for it to be a uh, an economic and social focus going into the future. And are you seeing in design uh, 
well, I, I was about to say post-pandemic, but as we move towards hopefully the tail end of the pandemic, are you seeing a um, design component that takes into consideration things like social distancing and proximity? Yeah, yeah. So this new project, <laughs> yeah, with this new project, definitely we're taking into account social distancing, um, ventilation rates uh, for mechanical equipment um, are being retooled to address it. Um, uh, you know, uh, is, it, is it a challenge to 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 incorporate the business economics of you know in, in this case in a community theater and making sure I, I'd imagine a theater in front of four people doesn't work. You need some scale and you need some uh, mass of people to to make it worthwhile for the production company. Um, so that probably is, yes, has entered it, into some of the discussion where perhaps historically it it wasn't as big a component. Oh yes, yes, but this is. You know, this theater is part of the heart and soul of this community and has the support of the city of Batavia and the Economic Development Authority. The, um, actually, the funds are actually coming from the state to do it. So it's, it's not a, a business decision entirely. It's not like what Broadway is dealing with. It's, it's about getting this community back in focus and, and having that shared experience. Hmm. So um, how did you make the transition from, from um, well, I, I guess similar types of projects when you were in Colorado, but New York City has got a, as I understand it, you know, there's yeah. a lot of restrictions and a, and a lot of uh, regulations that you probably didn't have while you were in Colorado. Is that, is that a big pivot Definitely different, a different regulatory environment. Um, you know, fortunately, it's the same building codes. I mean, it's the International Building Code. Um, so I got to take that with me, <laughs> but uh, I did work for two other firms before starting my own in 2016. So I moved to New York in 2010. So, so, um, so I did have an opportunity to work uh, for a couple of different institutional clients. Uh, the one I enjoyed the most was the New York City Housing Authority. We did um, an analysis, feasibility of, uh, studies and analysis after Hurricane Sandy and trying to help these projects get back to a habitable condition. I found that very rewarding. I mean, that was, it was devastating to the whole city, but it was really devastating to people in public housing. So I have an interesting uh, question to ask, or at least I think it's interesting, given that you've been an entrepreneur for many, many years, um, and then when you transitioned, it sounds like you went to work, uh, I would assume the New York Housing Authority, very large organization, um, how did you pivot and make that transition from uh, owner, partner, uh, um, you know, entrepreneur uh, to employee? And then what created that spark yeah. to get back into entrepreneurship? You've come, <laughs> you've come full circle, but it's an transition. And I think a lot well, of people sort of say, hey, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for so long. I can't work for anybody else. I, I have a theory that every decade... Uh, you need to change it up a little bit. And if you don't change it up every decade, then by the time you get to the third decade, you really need to change it up. So that was my, I, I, it was just, it was a, a point in my life where I really needed to change professionally and personally. And it, it turned out to be a good, it was very challenging. You know, I, I don't want to say it wasn't challenging, uh, but it was, you know, fortunately my prior career had informed me well to be able to take on a new job, to take on new challenges. And I was grateful for that. One thing that has served me well is I've always loved technology. Um, and our, my, in fact, my current office, we're 100% remote. 
our uh, all of our servers are 100% in the cloud. Um, and we have, you know, just embraced the technology around remote working. I think my, my uh, employees are a little younger than I am. I think they're a little more comfortable with it on a day-to-day -day basis than I am. I, I, you know, I, once in a while I go, oh, is it really there? <laughs> but um, it's all good. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to have those tools in my toolbox. So, it, you know, fascinating uh, that that you um, your endeavor. It sounds like pre-pandemic, you you really uh, were a virtual organization or moving towards a virtual organization in a lot of respects. We were, in fact, I even spoke at the New York State AIA convention about it, and I kind of got booed out of there. <laughs> this was like two years ago, and they. Um, well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but people, but there was a lot of architects there that, well, you know, we need to mentor these people. They need to sit side by side so that we can show them how to draw buildings. As, as if people are drafting on a drafting bench anymore. <laughs> I know, and it was like, well, it's not, not, that isn't exactly the way it works anymore. So it was, um, in fact, that was, that uh, presentation was so well received, we ended up doing it again on, in Long Island. And I guess, yeah, it was a precursor to where I'm at today. And, and are you finding that, um, you know, the, the, the um, profession has moved a lot towards collaborative tools so that you can work remotely, um, but collaboratively? Because I know well, there's a big the, piece of, one would argue the there's a creative are, element that comes to, you know, collaborate through collaboration and dialogue, et cetera. Yeah, the tools available now are incredible on every level from the building information modeling, uh, you know, we can work on a, in the cloud on shared files to um, all the new meeting software. We're, we work on Microsoft Teams. Um, it, there's just so much available now. It's, you know, you have to pick and choose. And the other thing that's amazing to me, having started out so long ago in 1980, it's so affordable compared to what we, you know, what we had to pay for technology services back in the 80s and 90s. Now, what, what, do, you what do you see on the horizon for architecture? Do you, do you see, I, I know a lot of people are looking for streamlined processes and streamlined development. Is, do you think that that hurts the, the art uh, to some degree, looking, looking for, uh, you know, everybody wants I, everything yesterday. Yeah. I <laughs> think days. that's a good point. I, you do wonder, how much it's going to create, it, uh, how much it's going to curb real creativity. You know, where, where does that come from? What I do think for architecture is all of us in the design profession are going to shift to what I call maybe more urgent questions of energy conservation, safety, um, on health. I, I think there, I think you'll, We'll still see great designs coming out, but I, but I think that we're we're facing a changing world, you know, and there's a there's a lot to be addressed in terms of climate change, environmental conservation, uh, longevity uh, of materials, cradle to grave projects. Um, it's there's there's a lot. Excellent. So there's a lot to digest there, and uh, we'll be we'll be sure to follow up with you and see how some of these things have have, uh, have panned out over the year. Oh uh, well, years. thank you for the opportunity, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Excellent, Lynn. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? 
Uh, name of my firm is Lynn Fritzlin Architect. My website is lynnfritzlin.com. Um, my, my personal email is lynn at lynnfritzlin.com, but also uh, my uh, staff is on there as well. And um, my best way to reach me these days is on my mobile, 347-494-8174. We also have a, an office number. <laughs> that redirects calls, which is 646-921-2285. Excellent. Our guest on Radio Entrepreneurs has been Lynn Fritzlin, owner and principal of Lynn Fritzlin Architecture in New York City. It's been a pleasure having you on Radio Entrepreneurs. And we'll be right back with another guest on Radio Entrepreneurs. <laughs>